You know, you might think, well, my kids are grown. They're all grown. I got, I'm in the grandparent stage or the great-grandparent stage. I met somebody the other day, a lady that was a great-grandmother. She had 32 great-grandbabies. I thought, Lord, you could start a state. <laughs> but it doesn't matter how old our kids are if we're, if we're wise. If we are willing to trust the Father, we are willing to listen to Him. We are willing to put our hopes and our confidence in Him. It doesn't matter. I want you to hear me. It doesn't matter how old or how unreachable or untouchable you might think. You might think my time has passed. I want to say to you, Mom and Dad, Grandmother and Grandfather, Great and Greater, I want to say to you this morning, your time has not passed. Your time has not passed. But make sure that in your sowing and certain that in your giving that what you are passing to the next generation is worth them holding on to. Make sure and make certain that what you are passing on to them doesn't simply reflect culture. Doesn't simply reflect society. Doesn't reflect politics. Doesn't reflect the hot topics of today. But make sure and make certain that what you pass to the next generation, what you pass to the generation after them, reflects the kingdom of God. Reflects His way. Reflects His order. Reflects His authority. Reflects His purpose. Reflects His design. Do you hear me this morning? We have opportunity. So everybody say Reformation. Reformation. Before I dive into this, I want to celebrate today. I want to celebrate with Sidney Phillips and Isaac Waits. They are officially engaged. Y'all got to stand up. Let everybody see you. Usually I do not announce that someone's engaged until they tell me that I can announce that they're engaged, but... I took it upon me this morning to assume that it was okay to announce that you were engaged, especially since it's all over social media. I figured everybody probably already knows it. Congratulations. Congratulations. Come on. So I want to talk about, again, as I said a moment ago, I want to talk about the rise of sons and reformation. My son, one of my sons sent me some scripture that he had read this last week that I want to read to you in just a moment today because it really re- does reflect what... Uh, Holy Spirit has put in my heart in this series, and I want to share that with you as well today, along with a scripture that I shared last week. And it's important to me, this particular series that we're in right now, The Rise of Sons, is a series of teachings that are meant to enlighten and encourage all of us to come to the knowledge of who we are in Christ. You know, I don't simply want to know that I know Christ. I want to know who am I in Him. 
I don't want to just come to Him. I want to exist within Him. No, you did not even hear what I said. I said, I do not simply want to say, I receive Jesus Christ and come to Him. I want to exist within Him. I want there to be a me and Him and a Him and me so much that you cannot find the end of one and the beginning of another. Do you hear me today? If we know who we are, we can then begin to live as we were created to live. But if I don't know who I am, how am I ever going to be who I'm supposed to be? I can tell you that not one single person that's under the sound of my voice today, sitting in this room, anywhere you might find yourself, I I can tell you whether it's you're listening to it live and in person today or you're listening to this 20 years from the time it was preached, I want you to know today that you were born not uh, accidentally, not without purpose, but you were born on purpose. In fact, you weren't just born because of a decision of a man and a woman. You were born because of the decision of Almighty God. It was His choice to send you at such a time as it was that you came. Whenever that might be, it was His decision, it was His timing, it was His choice. Well, Steve, you don't know the conditions by which I came. I don't even care to know all that brought you into the earth naturally. What I am excited about is that you came. And what I'm even more excited about is that you came with purpose. And what I'm more excited about is that in order to fulfill your purpose, when you recognize and understand that you are not just a man or a woman, but you were sent to be a son, if you can lay hold of that son mentality and that sonship mentality, you will become more than you ever thought or anyone who brought you into the earth ever thought you could be. I want my children, my children's children, my children's children's children to always exceed anything I ever believed that they could be. That is my hope. And you know what? That's the hope of the Father for you is that His children and His children's children and and everything that's called seed after Him, anybody breathing, anybody who have been breathing, who did breathe and don't breathe anymore, they're His seed. And He has great purpose. Great purpose. If we know who we are, then we can then begin to live as those that we were created to be. But if we don't know who we are, something has to change. Something has to happen. Somewhere around us, there must be something that causes a moment where suddenly it is as though someone turned on a light switch and the dark places that our mind was in became illuminated and we saw the endless possibilities that we were sent to become. Something along the lines of a reformation. Something that completely takes a mind that is going east and causes it to suddenly go west. Thoughts that were deep headed south and suddenly there's a shift and we find our thoughts and our mind rising to the place that He's called us to be. So what is a reformation? I want to use a couple of examples today of what a Reformation looks like. I want to use one that we're all familiar with. Probably both of them we're all familiar with, but one more than the other. I want to use Jesus Christ's words as an example of what a, revela- uh, what a Reformation is. And he said this in John chapter 5, verse 39. And before I read that, let me say it this way. I can tell you today that the church world is in need of Reformation. There might be, probably is, very likely at the least, people that are listening to me today or watching online or even in this room 
that are here, there are other things that you would rather be doing. But you came today because you feel some sort of obligation. It's Sunday morning, I should be there. Or my wife is going, or my husband is going, or I need to be there for my kids. You know, I want to set a good example. Which in and of itself sounds like, you know, at least you came. But that's not a good reason. My hope and prayer is that when we begin to fill the houses, when we begin to fill the places that we call churches, buildings, sanctuaries, when we fill them, we fill them not because we come, because we feel an obligation to Mary to be present, because it's Sunday, or we feel a need to be there because we want to set a good example, or we feel a need to be there because our husband or our wife will be upset with us if we aren't. But that people are knocking down the door to get into the houses of worship in the sanctuaries. Why? Because they recognize who their daddy is. And they come to a a reformation in their mind. Their mind is so changed. It is so turned in the opposite direction. I'm no longer going because of these reasons, but I'm going because my father wants me present. My father has an outpouring that he wants to release to me. I'm believing for the day. When this building cannot hold the people that want to get in even from this community. Not simply because we sing good songs. Not simply because there's a preacher that's going to stand up there and might preach a good word. Might make people shout. Might make them cry. Might give opportunity for people to come to the Lord. Not simply because of that, but because they believe. Literally, there is no place they other than that that they need to be. Because it's in that place they can be reminded again of who they are in Christ. My hope is every man and every woman coming into the doors of this building or sitting under the sound of my voice right now that you are anticipating the next words that I speak. You are already in your mind and in your heart getting anxious about what's about to come that the Father has put in me. What words that I might share that might cause you or catapult you to a place where you don't just exist within the church, but you thrive in it. You don't just come to it but you are a part of it. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verses 39 through 40, He said, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about Me. He said, Yet. Everybody say, Yet. Then He said, Yet you refuse to come to Me that you may have life. You put your hopes in the scriptures because you think that by reading them and by existing in them that you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. He said, yet you refuse to come to me. Sometimes there are things you count sacred you need to step over and find me so that the things you count sacred can now have meaning. He said, some, there's some folks here, Jesus is saying. There's some folks here, you need a reformation in your mind. You're going to all the little tidbits here and there, all the little laws and the legalism, and you're going to all these little things that you think add up to a relationship with me. Those things are meaningless unless you first come to me, and then I give meaning to those things. 
He said, I want to reform your mind. I want to change your thinking. I want to cause you to begin to see things from a very different, different perspective. I want you to stop seeing yourselves as orphans and vagabonds and outcasts. I want you to stop seeing yourself as somebody who just shows up every now and then because it's an obligatory thing. But I want you to show up because you couldn't wait to get there. I want you to be present because you're excited about what I might do next. I want you to be present because you believe with all your heart soul and mind that you exist on purpose. He said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have real life. When he brought that word to them, that's what reformation looks like. He said, let me take what you have sunk your feet into and what you have put your roots and you have watered the idea that if you will keep the law, the law will redeem you. You've stuck your feet in the soil of religion. And you've come to the place where you believe if I will water the soil of religion around my feet that roots will grow and I will be established and somehow the glory of God will be revealed in that. But God's never been revealed in religion. He's always revealed in relationship. He said, yet you refuse to come to me. He said, what happens? Listen to me, church. What happens? If I forget everything that was behind me. Oh, Steve, you don't know. There's a lot of good things back there. Just listen to me. What happens if I forget everything that's behind me? The good, the bad, the difficult, the easy. The successes, the failures. What happens if I forget everything that's behind me and I lay hold of this one thing, that He is the Christ and there's none other. And that I want to know Him and I want to know Him in a way like I've never found Him before. I don't want to find Him through Scripture. Just hear me. I don't want to find Him through religion. I don't want to find Him in denomination. I don't want to find him in non-denomination. I don't want to find him in Pentecost. I don't want to find him in Catholicism. I don't want to find him in Presbyterianism. I don't want to find him in anything that's going on in my world. I want to find him in relationship. I want to find him in a way I've never found him before. I don't want to quote scriptures as my prayer. Listen to me. This is reformation. I'm not going to quote scriptures anymore as my prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. No, it's going to come out of my heart, not out of the heart of another. Now I lay me down to sleep. I hate that the whole thing. That's not even scripture. But we make it that. But I want to talk to him out of my own heart, not out of the heart of another. But I'm going to come to Him first. And when I come to Him first, and I begin to dive into Him, and I stop letting other people tell me who the Christ is, and I let Christ actually introduce Himself to me, begin to show up in me, begin to reveal Himself in me, begin to be exposed in me in ways that I never thought possible, suddenly, now when I go to Scripture, Scripture takes on a whole new life. Now when I go to church, it isn't me going to church to know Him, it's me going to church to reveal Him. 
Now when I sit at the table and I pray over my food or I sit with my family and I pray with them, it's no longer simply me praying and begging in hopes that somehow this food tastes better or doesn't make me sick or my family gets well or they grow and they prosper. Now when I pray with my family and I pray over my food, it's praying, recognizing that without you, none of this is even possible. None of this would even exist without you. It's recognizing the weight. It's recognizing the, the, the load and the fullness that, man, I am because God is. I do because God does. I move because God moves. I speak because he's still speaking. I'm not trying to find my own way. No longer trying to do my own thing. No, try, no longer trying to decide for myself what my life is going to look like. But Father, I lay it before you. Reformation in my mind. Reformation today. Another example is Martin Luther. You're probably familiar with him. I'm not going to give you the whole story because it's a really long one. But I'm going to give you a few bullet points about who Martin Luther was. You probably heard of him in the Reformation, Martin Luther. The theses, 95 theses that were supposedly posted on the wall or the door of a church. He was born in the late 1400s in Germany. He became a Catholic priest sometime after. It was his heart. He loved God, no doubt about it. But contrary to Catholic doctrine, I'm really summarizing a lot of his life in here. There's a lot to it. But contrary to Catholic doctrine, he declared forgiveness from sin cannot be purchased or resolved by works, which is part of the issue that the Catholic Church had at that time still exists in the Catholic Church today. If you give us enough money, you give us enough penance. Penance is you give me this, and in time you can work out your sins. He did not believe that the priest had the ability to forgive sin. Contrary to that doctrine, he believed that you come to the Father and it is by faith that your sins are forgiven. He stated that the Catholic priesthood's position on celibacy was the work of the devil. That was his exact words, in fact. He said celibacy in the Catholic priesthood is the work of the devil, not the work of God. His writings and teachings were a catalyst for the reformation of the church and the beginning of the Protestant movement, movement of which we are a part of even today. When I think about Martin Luther and I think about the many other things that he did, almost to the cost of his life, well, in a sense, you could say so. When you consider that this man wasn't opposed, listen to me, it wasn't that he was opposed to the religion of that day which wrapped around the Catholic Church of that day. It isn't that he was a man looking for a way to be different. He didn't wake up one day and, and decide for himself, you know, I want to make a name for myself, so I'm going to do some different things today. I'm going to go stick something on the wall of the door of the church. I'm going to upset a few people, just I'm going to rock some boats. He didn't get up. That wasn't his mind. Martin Luther's mind was, I want to know God. And I don't want to know God the way they tell me I have to know God. And I don't want to know God because somebody tells me that I have to bring a penance to them. And then in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, or 6 years, my sins will be forgiven if I do these things. 
part of the catalyst for him waking up one day and realizing this cannot be God's way was because there was another priest who was taking money from the people and demanding money of the people to pay off his own debt. But he was telling them, not telling them he had debt, but telling them from his pulpit, if you'll bring money to me, you bring this money, your sins will be forgiven in X amount of time, but it's going to take you X amount of years for that to happen. So for X amount of years, you need to bring this amount of money every single time you come. Because it equated exactly how long it was going to take him to pay off the debt that he owed. That was the catalyst that caused Martin Luther to begin to believe and begin to think and begin to consider, surely this is not God's way. Surely this is not how God works. Surely it's bigger than this. Surely I can't pull a dollar out of my wallet and then hand it to somebody and then them tell me, thank you. That's enough for half your sins to be forgiven. But he came to this place in his mind and he was not to be different, not to be known, not to be... In, in fact, the embarrassment that he experienced when it first became a public issue, when it was it, the outcry that came from and the attention that it got, when he began to declare that forgiveness comes by faith alone in Jesus Christ... The attention that it received became embarrassing to him and he tried in many ways to hide himself away. He went from location to location, moved around, trying to get away from the attention. He did not try to start a revolution. What he was trying to do was bring an awakening. A reformation in the mind of people who had for so long done it so wrongly. Unwittingly, the people didn't know, but he awakened them. The nuns of the Catholic Church began to leave the church in vast, vast numbers because of his teaching. He felt guilty for it. Never got over that. And I consider today, thank you. Thank you that you were, even though it wasn't your intention to rock the boat, it wasn't a boat that you rocked. You tipped it over. You sunk it. Thank you. You brought something that the church world could not accept, but in doing so, what you did was you awakened a people that God is not down a long list of people that you have to go to before you get to Him, but He is yours too. So why would I use the word reformation? in this series on Sons Arise. Because the body of Christ has forgotten who they are in the kingdom of God. And because of that have forfeited the authority and the standing that belongs to us as sons. What we need is a reformation of thought and spirit. We need our minds to shift for the fullness of God's design to change the heart, not of you and me, but humanity. And I'm going to tell you, there's a big problem in the church world today, in the kingdom of believers today, and that is that no one, no one sees themselves as sons of God. Everyone accepts that there's only one Son of God, and that is Jesus Christ. 
There's probably people under the sound of my voice right now, you're struggling a little bit with that very statement that I just made, that it's possible that you too are a son of God. And yet we read in Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 26, he says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was just our guardian only until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Did you hear what I said this morning? For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God in faith. Not the Messiah. You're not the Messiah. But you are sons of God. If I don't know that I'm a son, though, Midiana, if I don't know I'm a son, I don't know what my responsibilities are as a son. Isaac, if I don't see myself as a son, I'm not comfortable coming into the house and just sitting at the table. If I don't see myself as a son, I feel guilty when I go to the Father and ask for anything. Or share my heart. Sons and sonship are terms that in every way are excluded, overwritten, misunderstood, and vanquished in the church and world today. You know why? You know why? Because I'm going to tell you this, there's an enemy out there that doesn't want you to know who you are. You need to hear me. There's a very real enemy out there today, Tim Darnell, doesn't want you to know who you are. There's a real enemy out there, Alicia, doesn't want you to know who you are. If he can keep you believing that you're simply doing, you're just doing good to get to the door. And you can come in when you're invited in. I got news for you. Not only were you invited, the door was thrown open wide. I want you to consider something today in Scripture. I want you to consider what it looks like, what sons, a relationship with sons and fathers were and how important those relationships were and how they reflected how God was able to move in people's lives. And you'll be familiar with this, but in Scripture, one's heritage and honor of fathers, it was paramount, it was absolute. To be a son and to need a father at all times in one's life was preeminent. There was no age that anyone ever arrived at didn't matter how old you were, that you no longer needed your daddy. Listen to me. There was no point, no time, didn't matter how old they were, if one's father was still alive, they needed that father. And they put emphasis on that father or guardian because we have examples of that as well. But consider today now. Today we have a generation who tell each other, you don't need your daddy anymore. Not too long ago, someone was sharing with me a story of someone who was about to get married. And they were sitting at the dinner table together. And when they were sitting at the dinner table, this one person said to the other, the fiancé, 
said, you don't need your daddy anymore. You've got me. But I want to tell you what that reflects. For anyone to say to another, you don't need your dad or you don't need your mother anymore because now you've got me. Now you're a grown up. You're an adult. You don't need your mom and daddy anymore. You don't need your guardian anymore. You know what that reflects? It reflects this. It reflects the spirit and heart of the enemy. It's evil. It reflects insecurity, pride, and arrogance. And I would even say this. If anyone in this room has ever said that to your husband, to your wife, to your children, to whoever, I would go to those people and I would say, I apologize because guess what you do need? You need those who came before you. Not just until we're together, but you're going to need them when you're 40 and when you're 50. and when, As long as they're alive, you're going to need them. And even when they're past, you're going to need to reflect on the heritage that they left behind. You're going to need to honor them. There are things many of you I've had conversations with about my father who's pa- who passed in 2013. There are things I still do today only to honor him. Choices I make. People that I relate to because I choose to honor Him. Because while He may not exist in the natural, He exists in my soul, in my heart, in my life, in my mind. Who He was, what He represented exists and thrives in me even today. So I consider the generation that we have today, parents are put out to the trash pile as though their influence and their wisdom are unnecessary. It's pride, it's insecurity talking. Listen to me today. Suns arise. We need a reformation. Every time you turn on the television, you watch shows today, they minimize men. They minimize role models. They minimize parents. They make it silly. It's always a reflection of silliness. But you got to see through it, church. Even more specific, you've got to see through it, body of Christ. It's not simply to make you laugh. Those reflections and those moments aren't simply to make you laugh and and to feel, give you a moment of humor. Those moments are to steer you away from who you're actually called to be. And as I said... Last night when I woke up in the night and I began to think about my interaction with my grandchildren, obviously my children can say, you're not going to have any part of them. They can decide that. But it will be to their loss. Because I honor the Father. Because my wife honors the Father, it would be to their loss. Now I'm not saying that because my children are gathered in this room right now, because they honor us. And I'm glad that they do. But if they didn't, it would be a shame on them to not recognize that within sonship, the blessing of God flows. It is in recognizing who I am. It is in recognizing that I'm not going to be silent anymore, but I'm going to speak out and let people know I'm not just a child of God. I am a son of God. Don't just call me a child like it's some random idea or some minuscule thing. But I want you to be specific. You know what I am. I'm a son of Almighty God. And I'm reformed in my mind. And I'm reformed in my spirit. And I know who I am. And nobody can take that away from me. Are you hearing me today? 
we are in every way in need of reformation. Where sons and daughters rise up and see the blessing in being a son and daughter. Now somebody might say, well, you know, I don't know who my father is or my father doesn't live righteously. I'm going to tell you, Yahweh will always put somebody in your life that does. I'm a son to a man whose blood does not flow in my veins. But I'm no less a son. You hear me today. So we can do this. As the church, we can keep moving through life, you and me. We can walk out of these doors today and we can forget everything that's said today and we can say it was just another message, just another preached word he got pretty excited about. Glad he woke up in the night thinking about these things. Or we can rehearse over and over and over again what you're hearing today until Holy Spirit makes it come alive in you. And you know exactly who you are and you live different, walk different, talk different, carry yourself different. You walk out of the building, you go into your home today when you walk out of here and you let everybody in that household know I'm not just a man or I'm not just a woman or I'm not just a boy or I'm not just a girl, but I'm a son and I want everybody in this house to know that I'm a son and with sonship comes blessing, comes authority, comes a right to speak. If I walk into the room and it's not my father's house and I'm not a son there, the best I can do is fill the glass of the son that is sitting there. But if I walk into a room and it's my father's house, and I know it's my father's house, and I know he doesn't have to pay me to honor him, and I don't have to pay him for his blessing, but I walk into that room, and I walk up to that table, and I pull that seat out, and I sit down, when I sit down, I know who's going to be sitting at the head of that table. And when they sit at the head of the table, I'm going to look at them and I'm going to say, I honor you today. I honor you because you paved the way. I honor you because you made the way. I honor you because you chose well. Do you hear me in this house today? There's a whole generation of sons and daughters today that will never know what honor is. And you know why they won't know what honor is? Because they never honored Every time honor was reflected, every time honor was passed, every time honor was appropriated, every time, instead of saying that is a beautiful thing, they said, how dare them honor a man or honor a woman? How dare them? That isn't even right. Only God gets honor. God gets honor when His sons are honored. God gets honored when His daughters are honored. God gets honored when you and I rise up and we're not afraid. To cast our blessing on those to whom the Father has blessed. Do you hear me in this place today? We need a reformation in the church today. I can't speak for the whole world. I can only speak for those who are in this house. But let today be the day. There are no orphans in this place. Let today be the day you stop living like it doesn't matter. Let today be the day 
You stop thinking of yourself as something less than deserving of His grace. Do you hear me today? You don't deserve it because of your good works. You deserve it because He offered it. (laughs) And that's the only reason. I hope you hear me today. I hope if you're sitting under the sound of my voice and you're trying to figure out who you are, I hope you're figuring it out right now. I hope that I'm helping you to make it clear who it is the Father created you to be. You're not a number. You're not an item. You're not just a moment in time. You're eternal. Why would He make you and me eternal beings if He did not have eternal plans? The earth in every way is in need of you and me, sons, to rise up. Shine a light on the goodness and faithfulness of our God and His kingdom. But see, here's here's the thing that the church world has been dealing with since it was. There's always, there will always be those who acquiesce, who find it more worthy, more fun, not worthy, but more fun, easier to simply do our own thing. But even when you meet those who do their own thing, even in the church, they do their own thing. They're not interested in being sons. Don't ever consider for a second that maybe they didn't have purpose after all. A purpose forfeited was not ever a purpose not meant to be. We're sons. Say it with me. What's that mean to you? I hope. Holy Spirit, help me today to impart a sense of pride that says, this is who I am in you. And nobody is going to keep me from being a son because I am going to change the earth. As sons, we cannot any longer hide behind the safety of silence. Reformation came. When Christ came, that was a reformation all by itself. When Martin Luther took his stand in that reformation, in that moment of time, that was moments of time, it did not come without the need for either of those that I mentioned, to sweat great drops of blood. But see, when you know who you are, when you know what you're meant to be, and someone might be saying, but I don't know, you can know this. You're a son. And let who you become flow out of that. But we cannot any longer hide behind the safety of silence, keeping our mouth closed, going on as though, does it really matter if I demonstrate the kingdom? It matters. 
We need a reformation in our mind. We need to stop seeing ourselves in ways that Christ does not. You hear me, Gabriel? You hear me, Isaac? You hear me, Tamara? Kaylee? You hear me, sir? You need to stop getting upset with people who speak truth to us. Bring truth to us. Give us opportunity to reform. To be redeemed. To be delivered from something that never produced anything. Yet we cling to it as though it has. And when we look at the tree that reflects that mentality, we can't even eat any fruit off of it because it's all rotted and bug-filled and stinky. It's produced nothing. Sons have been invited into a garden of life. Sons stand at the gate and guard. Sons sit in the courts and proclaim. Sons rise up every day and every day know who their daddy is. Sons rise up every day and knowing who their daddy is, honor him. What am I doing today that dishonors you? I'm a son and I will not dishonor you. My wife and I watched a little show last night, a little Hallmark Christmas we love. I think it was last night. Maybe it was the night before. But in it, there was a, prince or a dutch or a duke or whatever not a dutch but a duke (laughs) was last night and he was a duke but he's there was one line in there we haven't finished watching it yet but there's one line in there where he says something about how he honors what his family's doing and he said I could not do anything because the girl that he's You know the story. You know how it goes in Hallmark. (laughs) She questions, well, why don't you just do this or why don't you do this? He said, because I could not imagine doing anything that would, one, embarrass my family or bring dishonor to them. Even though there was much in him he wanted to do, he could not imagine doing anything that would dishonor his heritage. Can we get back to that? Because your heritage is deeper than the man or the woman that brought you into this earth. You have a kingdom heritage. Now you need to hear me. You have a godly heritage. None of us are our own man or woman. We belong to someone greater than ourselves. And it is time for a reformation of our own, Scott. So rise up, sons and daughters. Let's change the world.
That's my heart. I give you my heart today. I love being a daddy. I don't know what it would like to be a daddy. Well, let me just say it this way. I'm not a daddy without fault. Probably have more than some of you. But I'll tell you what kind of daddy I am. I know how to love my kids. I know how to help them. Take the time to guide them. And no matter how old they get, the only time they'll ever be outside of my reach is when they put themselves there. Because I never will. Can we change the world? Not if we keep going as we have kept going for generations. But we can. We can. If we choose today, I know who I am in Him. And I will not allow myself to be anything less. Amen? Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. So, for me, as I consider this, as I consider what He wants to do in us, and the reformation that He wants to bring to us, musicians, you don't have to come, it's okay. Thank you, though. The, you guys are so good about being ready, and I appreciate that. But when I consider the time of year that we're in right now, when I consider any time of year that we're in, I want to say to all of us that are in this room, from a natural perspective and a spiritual perspective, your parents don't do everything right. Who knows that? (laughs) Emma, why is your hand up so high? Parents don't do everything right, AJ. They don't. And neither will you. And neither will I. But here's the cool thing. What we can do right is honor. What we can do right is forgive. What we can do right is position ourselves Naturally, as sons and daughters. Spiritually, as sons who trust the Father to change what we never will with our own ways and ideas. You hear me today. Norris, are you a son? Why?
Are you proud of how you father? Well, let me rephrase it then. Are you proud of how you father the right ways that you father? Yeah. That's good. Me too. That's a good answer. AJ, what's it mean to be a son to you? Um, to be a resource for those who came before me and those who are joined to me and those who are coming after me. Are you proud to be a father? Midiana, what's it mean to be a son to you? It means to honor those that come before me and after, and to give an example of what I may not have known. I know better and do better. And I know him and I want that. Are you proud to be a mama? I feel, well, I'm a daddy, but I feel the same. <laughs> I'm proud to be a father. I'm proud to be a father because, not because I've done everything right, but because my kids still turn to me and bless me. I'm proud to be a father because, well, at least in my presence, <laughs> they do. <laughs> I'm sure in outside of it is. I shouldn't even have said that. because <laughs> But I'm proud to be a father because when I haven't done it right, I've gone to the father and I've gone to my children and I've said I'm sorry. And I'm proud to be a son because when I fail... My Heavenly Father, I'm quick to repent. If I failed my earthly father, I was quick to repent. Not always as quick with my earthly father. But I'd repent. I'm convinced of this. I'm driven to do this thing. If I can reform people's thinking, so that they know what it is to be a son and a daughter. They will stop living like slaves and orphans. If we focus on what he means for us, and less on what the earth says we are, we make a difference. Father, I'm thankful today for your word. Thankful for the anointing. Thankful for how you work in us. You change us. You stir us. You provoke us. You cause us to rise up in moments that we don't even feel like rising. You cause us to sit when we want to stand and shout. Whatever it is that you're calling us to do, we do that because in every way, you love us. Help us to honor you. Help us to recognize that it is you who is working to do all that is good, all that is right, all that is faithful, all that is holy in us. Help us today to understand and to know that when we receive Jesus Christ, we do not receive Him as one who we simply can talk to every now and then, but there's no relationship. But when we receive Jesus Christ, we come into Him and Him into us. And there is a oneness that takes place. Help us today to understand and know that. And that it is He who causes us, Father, to come to the knowledge of who You are 
to be able to walk with you and to understand through that relationship with Jesus Christ what it means to be a son. What it means to be able to sit at the table. What it means to be able to ask for a piece of bread without feeling like I somehow have to earn it. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness over myself, over this people, over this house, over those who are watching and listening today. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the goodness and the glory of God that is at work today to do the miraculous in the minds and souls of those who are listening, who are here. Thank you. Reform our mind, our thinking, our way, so that we know who we are and we accept who we are and we rejoice in who we are. We have a pride about who we are, a pride that will not let us turn back from where you take us. Be glorified today. Yahweh, I love you with my whole heart, with all that is in me. My life exists and is for one reason, and that is to do your will. Let it be every day in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Be seated, please, for just one moment. And I want to do this today, a couple of things. One, I want to say, I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Did everybody get enough turkey to eat and dressing and, and what have you? I, I see that some of you are still carrying. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, just, I'm still carrying it. But um, it was a wonderful time. I hope you had a wonderful time. I hope you were able to visit and fellowship with family and friends. I can say this, we are, and I know that some of you did what we did, and that is that we like to invite people to be a part of what we do. I would encourage you, as we move into this season of Christmas, and I understand that gifts are going to be a part of it. We get gifts for our kids and what have you. They're going to be a part of it. But don't, I, I, I try to remind everybody this every year, but please do not allow a season that is meant for peace and joy to become one of debt and worry. <laughs> Keep in mind those who don't have what you have. Be willing to look around you and find people who might not be as blessed as you are at this time. They may be at another time, but today they're not. Find ways to extend your joy, your peace, your giving to others. Find ways to invite them in. Find ways to make a place, whatever that might be. But find ways, because I can tell you in all of that, Yahweh honors. He honors. And in all of that, we are honoring Him. Amen. Amen.